to Chill How We Chat, the Maryville College podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Aaron Astor, Associate Professor of History here at the college. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. First up, tell us how you made your way to Maryville College. Well, I um, graduated, or I went to a small liberal arts college as an undergraduate. I should mention that. I went to Hamilton College in upstate New York. So I've always been primed for the value of a small liberal arts college experience. I had a good one myself, so I've always valued this. Um, when I, uh, after I graduated from there and kind of worked around the business world and then went to grad, back to graduate school at Northwestern University in 2000 to study history. Uh, studied there for six years and then I knew uh, going on to the job market that I wanted to go to a small liberal arts college. Um, a lot of my colleagues hadn't really thought much about that. They figured they, figured they would go to a big research university, and, right. and, uh, and while uh, I certainly love the research, but I really like the small college teaching environment. So I got a one-year teaching, uh, a visiting professorship at uh, Albion College in Michigan, um, a sabbatical replacement, and then went on the job market that year, and um, Maryville College is one of the places that I had applied to, and I was found it very intriguing right away. The location, I always loved the area here. I never lived in East Tennessee, but love going out to the mountains when I grew up in Northern Virginia. Um, but it was, you know, this college's history was really, really uh, enticing and, and interesting. Um, and um, I uh, so went through the interviewing process and I was very impressed. Came here in January of 07 and uh, moved here, <laughs> took the position, came here in, uh, in that spring. And I've been here ever since. You mentioned the history was one of the draws mm -hmm. to Maryville College. Tell us about how your history of Maryville College course came to be for this semester. Sure. The, uh, so this, of course, is part of the bicentennial, as we're all thinking about ways in which the college's unique history informs our identity today and our sort of destiny going forward. And I think that Maryville College's history is perhaps more special to this college's identity than is the case in most other schools. I mean, a lot of other schools, there's some bit of their history that they hold on to, whether it's an, a mascot or whether it's some sort of superficial thing and they say, oh, that's neat, that's what defines us. But Maribel College, since the very beginning, has been defined by opening doors and providing access to people who would otherwise not. I mean, obviously, African-Americans, women, uh, Cherokee, uh, Syrian and Japanese uh, foreign students. I mean, going all, this is the 19th century. I mean, in, in the 19th century South, I mean, nowhere else is providing this kind of thing. Uh, is uh, opening doors this way. Uh, for the poor who live in the in mountain communities nearby. Um, that has always been something that I think is really remarkable about what this college has provided. Uh, and I think is still very much a part of how we are today with respect to uh, immigrant uh, communities, uh, LGBT community, um, a lot of first, you know, first generation college right. students and the, the care with which we, uh, you know, uh, approach approach them. Um, I think it's something, there's that inclusivity that is not something that we just sort of suddenly threw on because it was politically correct or if it was because it was current. No, that's always been who we are. And that's been who we are for 200 years. And so, when I wanted to teach in this class, that was the first thing, that that, that part, that deep history. The students today need to understand and, and appreciate all that. But now as we go through this class, even the more mundane elements of college life 
it, are really attractive to them. I mean, they're finding you know the things of, of where the students lived, where these buildings were made, uh, what these classes looked like, what what the curriculum looked like. Um, both to my students and myself, it's really fascinating to see what a college class was like uh, back in the 19th century. And now, in the class, we're getting into the 20th century. We're starting to get. Well, that was going to be one of my questions. Is tell us about some of the things that you're covering sure. and the types of resources. Right. So one of the big resources we're drawing from is the Maryville College Archives. Um, we are the students have to write uh, three document analysis essays or short essays based on a primary document. Each student is getting a different document, thanks to um, Martha Hess and Amy Lindell in the archives. Um, and they are they are they have to discuss the author, the audience of the document, the text and the context. You know what what does this document tell us about that period? Uh, they have to do three of those assignments. That's a big part. Uh, they have to do oral histories where they're going to be uh, interviewing Maryville College alumni. Um, and uh, we're going to record those and keep those for posterity. Uh, they're going to do a, uh, they're also doing service projects, which may be, in fact, many may actually be helping out with the archives, but something that is contributing to uh, something of value to Maryville College over the long term. And then um, the uh, final thing is going to be a, uh, a paper on a bio biographical sketch of somebody associated with the college, but who is not, who's no longer living. I mean, because if right. they're still living, you can interview them. Um, and, uh, and I want them to focus not on the presidents of the college, not the elites, but sort of the unheard. unheard of or random people to whatever they can do, whatever they can, they can um, recover about those stories. So are you covering the whole 200 years yes. through this course? Yes, and even beyond. When we started, we started you know, before Isaac Anderson came to East Tennessee. We started in the Scottish Reformation. What seems to be interesting the students the most? What has piqued their curiosity thus far in the course? I think, um, you, well, you, you have to realize that um, most of the students in this class are freshmen. So they are, this is for many of their first history course. So that, that itself is a little bit, oh. can be a little overwhelming at times. Um, but I think what really piques their curiosity is are these sort of little mundane things talking about ordinary life. Um, when they start to realize how much of the people's lives in the 19th century are a lot like theirs today. Um, dormitory living, uh, dealing with administration uh, and rules and regulations, pranks and things like that. I mean, they're reading about these things, these social life on campus, right. and they're thinking, wow, that's just like what we do. Um, or the kinds of things they're debating back then. It's like, wow, that's... And then they'll get to something where it's like, well, no, we don't actually debate that anymore. <laughs> they're all, all talking about temperance for a while. You know, there's a, there's a few things... Um, that are uh, that have stood the test of time and other things that haven't. But it's it's when they see it, they can sort of empathize with people who are just like them, the same age, you know, but from 150 some years ago. Um, and I think that's the stuff that they're pulling to. They're starting to gravitate towards some of these stories of the more extraordinary students and graduates right. and what they've done. I mean, they're starting to see that as, wow, you know, they started here and they went off, you know. John Casper Branner becomes the president of Stanford University, kind of coming out of uh, I mean, there's, they're starting to, to see some of these extraordinary uh, stories. But I think um, what's really moving them is not the, not the big political stuff of John J. Robinson and Thomas Jefferson Lamar. I mean, that's kind of like a history class where you look regular. But it's when you, you see these things in the early Chilhowians, or you see these things in the early uh, student newspapers, these uh, clubs on campus, and and uh, 
that's, I think, the stuff that really gets them interested. So you said that they seem surprised to realize how much they have in common that's with right. these students of the past. Has there been anything that surprised you as you've taught this course that you've learned along the way? Uh, yeah. Um, one, uh, I mean, I keep running across these people. Well, I just mentioned that man, John C. Branner, who I had no idea that this guy who becomes the second president of Stanford University, I never heard of the guy. I mean, and he's, he's a major figure out there. There are so many people who cycled through here uh, on their way out to, you know, either if they, if they graduated here or they just went here for a few years and then went, I mean, those I'm fascinated by. Uh, I'm also fascinated, I think one of the things that really, really becomes clear to me, has really impressed upon me, and I wouldn't say I didn't know it before, but I've, it's become more clear to me now, is the importance of commitment of some people to this college. I mean, Isaac Anderson, obviously, um, but Samuel Tyndale Wilson, I mean, a guy like that who has spent so much time here as a student, as a professor, as a president, I mean, a lifetime committed to the college. Later on with Lloyd, uh, Thomas Jefferson, Lamar, I mean, all these people who became the leaders of the college, um, uh, certainly a Margaret Henry, Margaret Henry, Margaret Henry and Clement Henry, um, it becomes a family thing. And, you know, one day we went to the, graves, the graveyard and you could see families, uh, you know, it's not just one person right. that's buried there, often they're children and they, they're multiple generations contributing. There's something special about it. In the way that you see a lot of, I mean, really special old colleges and universities, when you hear about people's, you know, multiple generations, they go there. Um, but that's what Maryland College really is. And uh, that's one thing that I've, I have come to appreciate more doing this class than I did in the years just simply being on the faculty here. What do you hope your students take away from this course at the end of the semester? I hope they take away that they are part of a big tradition and it's a living tradition. Um, that it's a special tradition and that they are adding their chapter to it. And that this chapter is adding to them. Uh, this is helping to make them who they are, just as it made people in the past who they are. Um, that it's, it's a, uh, every time I, I, uh, I have old alumni come back and you know, see them at homecoming or whatever, and you just you sense how special this place is. Um, that's not a new thing. That's true of the people who graduated in the 70s, who graduated in the 40s, who graduated in the teens. Um, there has always been that special bond, and I want them to appreciate that they are uh, experiencing something that several generations of people have, and they're gonna hopefully pass that down to their children. How do you feel that it's being taught in the bicentennial year? Has that sunk in with the students, the, the historical significance of this date? A little bit. Uh, I think, you know, there are moments when they say, well, it's a 200th. Uh, and, and then, you know, the thing is, when you go through a whole bicentennial year, then it becomes, well, of course it's the bicentennial. You don't even think about it as being different than any other year after a while, because of course it's the bicentennial. Right. Um, it becomes the new normal. Um, which is why I think the most important thing is that they, we take away something permanent from this. Um, that it's not just simply that they've experienced it. This is why I want us to, to hold on to these oral histories uh, so future, you know, groups of people can, can see this. Um, I, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, I, the college that I went to, Hamilton, had its own 200th anniversary in 1812. Uh, it was 2012. For, it was founded in 1812. So we're at a very similar timeline. It's founded by a Presbyterian minister as well. Um, 
in upstate New York. And uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of parallel parallelism there. And and that was an event that really brought a lot of people back home. And uh, it helped that the Hamilton musical came out. So also the name was popular. When I was there, <laughs> no one cared who Hamilton was. Now everybody, everybody cares, you know, you know. So you have that kind of fun stuff. But but we I, I think what's what's nice here is that you know people come back here. They realize this campus looks beautiful. Uh, it looks more beautiful than it perhaps ever has. Um, the it's a uh, the you know the academic offerings are as good as and robust as ever. The student body is. As, I mean, you know, there's there's always, of course, you know, ways we're trying to improve and all this, but it's it's a place to continue to be proud of. And I think that that. Um, it's not just that we have this 200-year history. It's that it's a it's a story that keeps unfolding, and one that they I think can feel proud to participate in. Another lasting legacy of this bicentennial year is the Isaac Anderson cabin right. that was just rededicated. Have your students had a chance to visit the cabin? Yeah, we actually had a chance to visit it before it was the official dedication. We went down there a week earlier because we went to the Smoky Mountain Heritage Center and did a tour of it. And then we went up to the cabin. They were just putting the finishing touches in the windows. So they weren't able to really go in, but we could peer in and see it. Um, and uh, so that was nice. They've... they've um, uh, and, and you know that was early in the semester, so that I think they were still trying to get their wrap their hands around just how significant this guy was, as Isaac Anderson was, and how significant this cabin was. And I think as we move along, they get a better appreciation for it. I think it'd be nice to go back there again later on. I'm going to ask you the same question that we ask every guest on sure. the podcast: What does noble, grand, and true mean to you? Um, noble, grand, and true means. Um, appreciating that you are a part of something bigger. You come from something that's bigger, you contribute something to it. And then um, whatever you, you will always be judged in the things that you did in this moment. Um, a lot of times we talk about being on the right side of history, which is I think a mistake. You never know how history is gonna unfold. Um, you do know, however, what you have experienced and what you know to be true at that moment. And if you can imagine what is true at that moment to be true later on um, and can justify it, then you are being noble and you are being grand and you are being true. Um, and uh, that you're not just self-consciously thinking of myself in history, but you're, you're thinking each moment about what is of great importance now and you are thinking of it in the grand scheme of time, then I think you are living up to that. Great. Thanks, Aaron. We appreciate you being our guest today. Sure. Thank you for having me. So How We Chat is brought to you by the Maryville Fund. The Maryville Fund supports Maryville College's most pressing needs, including student scholarships, library resources, and faculty professional development. Gifts to the Maryville Fund are applied where they will benefit students and faculty in the most significant and immediate ways. That means you can make an immediate impact on the Maryville College experience today by making a safe, secure online donation to the Maryville Fund at maryvillecollege.edu slash give today.